here's where we'll start. In, um, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul says to his spiritual son, who, by the way, was the bishop of the church of Ephesus, and at this particular point in time, the church numbers about 100,000 people in an area of about 250,000. And so what he says is, he says, take heed to yourself, King James Version, and to the doctrine by so doing that, you will save yourself and those that hear you. To use a modern language, here's how we would translate it. In the Greek, you would translate it, instead of saying, take heed to yourself, in the Greek you would translate it, get a hold of yourself. Now, you have to ask yourself, why does Paul, by the Holy Spirit, say to Timothy, get a hold of yourself? Well, this is a man who has a church of 100,000 people. And so the message was this. Timothy, you've been taking care of everybody else and everything else. And in the process of that, you've been losing yourself. Well, I'm going to be deliberately provocative at the very beginning of my message because I know if I'm provocative, (laughs) you'll remember what was said. So, this is my first provocative statement. I want to say this to all the women of the house. You cannot count. And the reason you can't count is because you work like there's 30 hours in a day. Now, the brothers, y'all can't count either, but your numbers only go up to about nine. Isn't it interesting that we're so busy taking care of everything else and everybody else, we're losing ourselves in the process. Because essentially, we violate the principle of the Sabbath. We don't take the needed time we should just to rest. Because for some reason, we actually believe that during the course of a day, I can get everything done. Look at somebody say, have you lost your mind? Now look at him and smile and say, can I help you find it? This is what I want to say to all the married women. All the mothers. How you think you going to get done when you live with us? Because, you know, you ain't nothing but a whole bunch of work. Oh, I'm going to leave you alone. Why y'all treating me bad already? So at some point, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit and say, you just need to quit for the day because you never get done. Look at somebody say, the preacher says, no, let me modify that. That really handsome preacher says, 
you re never really get done for the day. Look at somebody and say, you just need to schedule peace and rest. Now, um, here's what I want to do at the very outset. The minute I said, get a hold of yourself, and you're taking care of everything else and everybody else, and you're losing yourself in the process, how many of you, the Holy Spirit said, yes, I'm talking to you? Raise your hands high unless you got a shoulder condition. Now, I want you to look around the room. Keep your hand up and look around the room. Mostly women. Mostly women. So, um, if you raised your hand, I want you to stand to your feet. Now, it's very important for me to say this because I want to put this. Everything is in a context because context always determines meaning. First time I got caught up to heaven was 1981. I'm not going to tell you about that. It was a surprise. Second time I got caught up to heaven was 1989. Again, surprise. So the result of that was the father spoke and he said, number one, don't work so hard. Because my father, who lived to be 100 before he went on to be with the Lord, he was a workaholic. And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so I became a workaholic um, just because. So I got rebuked for it. Don't work so hard. This is when you know you're in trouble from the beginning of the encounter. <laughs> so this angel comes, takes me into heaven. I land in heaven. Uh, I'm taken into the tabernacle, the, the heavenly temple, just like Isaiah. I see the glory of God. I see Jesus at the right hand of the Father, and there are witnesses. And the Father starts the conversation with this. Take notes and learn. Apparently, I need help. <laughs> then he says... Now the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And you can also interpret that in the Greek, from the house of God, up here, down into here. And uh, so when the father starts a conversation, kind of like every son that I love, I chasten and correct. Look at somebody and say, you know you're in for it. So he says that you're not getting enough rest. And the reason I, one of the reasons I was not getting enough rest is because I would lay down, and if there was a problem that happened during the day, my mind would have to work on it. I would have to resolve it. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, that even in your sleep sometimes, you're still working on it. Okay? And so I was robbing myself because of the influence of darkness from necessary rest so that I would not be able to function at maximum. Do I have any cousins here? Any relatives here? 
any brothers. Can, can, can anybody here relate to what I'm talking about? Wave at, wave at me. There you go. I just want to say if I'm saying the right thing. I know I am, but. <clears throat> so, one of the things I'm learning, not that I have learned it, is I'm learning how to rest. And I can tell you, I don't have to answer my phone. I don't have to answer an email. I don't have to. If I need to rest, I rest. Look at somebody say, it can wait. So I practice the principle of the Sabbath. And I know sometimes you don't get a whole day. Look at somebody say, take a fourth of a day. Take a half of a day. But look at somebody say, get a whole day in during the week at some point. I don't care if you have to do four days of 25%. Now, here's, here's what we do. A lot of people, Pastor, suffer from attention deficit. We start stuff we don't finish. So we make a commitment, but we don't do the follow through. And some of us, we have to schedule. (laughs) I know. Look at somebody say, schedule rest. Now, I'm going here. I, I, I know you got issues. I know you got problems. But your crisis is not my crisis. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as somebody finds out that your crisis, my crisis is your crisis, they can always turn to you in their crisis to interrupt your schedule and to drain you. So here's the question. Who increases you? Who decreases you and who drains you? Oh, y'all want to leave me alone. Look, turn to your neighbor and say, who increases you? Who decreases you? And who drains you? Because you always got those three relationships in your life. You just have to manage how much they're going to drain you. Okay, you've been standing long enough. Let me have you pray a prayer. Bow your heads, please. Say, Holy Father, in the name of Jesus, I respond to the revelation of your word. I'm getting a hold of myself. I've been taking care of everything else and everybody else and been losing parts of myself. But I changed my mind. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I cannot get everything done. There's always something else that needs to be done. Holy Spirit, help me to quit for the day. And Lord, remind me after this service is over to take a look at my schedule, to take a look at my calendar and schedule rest because you command it to be so. And I thank you, Father. That when I go too far, 
your Holy Spirit will remind me of what you said, oh God, in Jesus' name. Now lift up your hands for 20 seconds and let's give God a praise. That ain't 20 seconds. Come on, 20 seconds. Go ahead and praise him with your lips. All right, you may be seated. Thank you very much. So now, let me address another matter. You know, Anna, I believe, did a great job. Let's give her a hand clap even, you know. So, she talked about developing intimacy with God. She talked about getting in the word of God. She talked about spiritual hunger. She talked about surrender. She was trying to help people to be able to see in the Holy Spirit. And she made this comment. I'll paraphrase it because I have my own way of saying it. Is you actually have to look to see. And if you don't look, you don't see. So I'm going to say this to whoever this applies to. Because I do realize that according to Hebrews 5.14, you have your spiritual senses exercised to discern. So Isaiah and Jesus, Jesus quotes Isaiah and says they have eyes, physical eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, physical ears, but they don't hear spiritually. Because if they would see with their eye or their heart, hear with the ear of their heart, then they would be converted, I would heal them. All right? So then this is interesting just to show you this. Um, in Isaiah 11, 2, verses 1, 2, and 3, it, it said, it's referring to Jesus the Messiah, and it says the sevenfold spirit of God will be upon him. The spirit of the Lord, the anointing of the glory, spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, which, by the way, those two are always together. The spirit of counsel and might, those two are together. Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Okay? And then the scripture says, King James Version, <laughs> the Spirit of God will make him, Jesus, of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. But in the Hebrew, it means quick-scented. Quick-scented. All you women know, you go into the fridge and you smell the meat, smell the milk. Because the nose, even in our culture, is for discernment. And that's in our culture. We say stuff like this. Something smells fishy. <laughs> and we're in America, and we say, something smells fishy in Denmark. I wonder if in Denmark they say, something smells fishy in the United States. <laughs> so there's a spiritual sense of smell. Then the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
And then Jesus is walking through the people, and they're pressing up against him. And he stops and says, somebody touch me. And one of the disciples said, all these people are pressing up against you. He said, oh, no, somebody touched me. He said, because I felt virtue, power, dunamis. The woman with the issue of blood felt the power when it went in and healed of her disease. Jesus felt the virtue when it departed. He said, I felt virtue. He felt it when it went out. She felt it when it went in. Everybody say spiritual feelings. Well, here's the point. In Acts 2 and 7, quoting Joel, it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, I'll part my spirit upon all flesh. Huh, 2.17. Acts. Huh. Your young men shall prophesy. People prophesy. The old people, they're going to dream dreams. The young people, they're going to see some visions. Wait a minute. In the outpouring of the spirit, it's part of your inheritance to see dreams and have visions. Everybody say, see in the spirit. Huh. Interesting. So in Ephesians 1.11, it says, in Christ you've obtained an inheritance. But then we got people saying, I can't see in the spirit. Wait a minute. Whatever the heart is full of, it comes out of the mouth. You just locked yourself out of your inheritance to see. It shall come to pass in the last day, says God, I'll part my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. So if that's a part of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and you have received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and you speak in other tongues, then dreams and visions and revelations are part of your inheritance in Christ. You have past tense obtained an inheritance. Then if you say to yourself with your mouth, because you're going to have what you say, because what you say is what you believe, then you have released faith that you can't have visions and dreams and God can't talk to you in that realm of the spirit. You have locked yourself out of your inheritance. And then you wonder why it doesn't happen. Look at somebody say, he needs to do that. But he had to repent. Look at somebody say, do you see where this is leading to? Are you thinking about it? That's good. Are you thinking about it? Now, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Because you. he got glasses on top of his head. Cute hair, girl. You go. I got the mic. I can do whatever it is I want to do. <laughs> How many of you would be honest enough to say you've been talking to yourself? Because here's the truth. You talk to yourself more than you talk to God, the devil, anybody else. The issue is what are you saying to yourself about yourself? You tell yourself something long enough, you start to believe it. How many of you have been saying, I don't have dreams and visions and revelations? Raise your hands, tell the truth. Raise them up. I don't have visions. Raise them up. I'm talking about visions awake. I don't have them. Now, some of y'all are not telling the truth. 
Let's try this one more time. I don't have to call an altar for repentance for lying. How many of you don't have visions and trances awake? You don't have them or they're rare. Raise your hands. How many of you been saying, I don't hardly ever have them. I don't have them at all. Raise your hand. Okay, you need to repent. Let me tell you why. It's because when I stopped saying that and believing that, I started having them. Hey, you can have money in the bank, but if you don't go to the bank, either online or in person, look at somebody and say, you got it, but you don't have access to it. You got to do something to have access. All right, well, I'm not going to make you stand. But if you feel like you should stand, if the Holy Spirit tells you to stand, even if you raise your hand, you don't have to stand. This is for your benefit. I mean, I'm going to continue to have visions whether. So if the Holy Spirit tells you should stand and you should change your belief system to change your experience, you should stand now. (laughs) And see, this ain't related just to church. Let me tell you a story. Keep standing. I was in college, Bible college. And so I got it in my mind with a friend of mine named Joel and a friend of mine named Dawn. We were going to go to a collegiate basketball game. But I was in college. I was short money. So I went to Tom Hefty, borrowed a dollar. He gave me a dollar. I went to Joel's room. Joel <laughs> couldn't find his keys. Brother's looking for his keys. So I'm, I'm, I'm standing there waiting for him to find his keys. And all of a sudden, I go into a vision. And in this vision, I see a spirit walk up behind me. And it was a spirit of death. All of a sudden, it's dark. I know, instantly know certain things. We've been to the game. The game is over. Joe's driving. Dawn is sitting here. I'm sitting here. Joe's going to pass late. I'm going to say, don't pass. He's going to ignore me. We're going to have an accident. They will get injured. They will survive. I will die. I instantly feel nauseous. I sit on the bed. And I say, hey, Joe, you ever got a problem with your driving? To which he responds, yes, sometimes I pass late. I said, we ain't going to this game. Look at somebody say, a vision can change your life. Save your life. Deliver you from an attack from the enemy. So I tell Dawn, she was not filled with the Holy Spirit. She thought I was nuts. Here's what's crazy. Tom Hufty was a Baptist. A Baptist. We go back to the student union. Ready? Let me tell you what this Baptist does. You know that Baptist that don't hear from God, that God don't talk today? That Baptist. I got saved in the Baptist church. I went to a Southern Baptist Bible college. I'm not a Baptist, but I'm just saying. Tom Hufty walks up to me and says, Tony, I don't feel like you should go to that game. You know, you got to watch out for them Baptists. Sometimes they contradict their own beliefs. 
Just like you Pentecostals do. I thought to myself, ah, that's my confirmation right there. The brother heard from God. He didn't hear a voice, but somehow there was an inner witness of the Holy Ghost. That's just as real as hearing or seeing. So that's why you need to, you know. All right, so I'm going to have you repent again. Look at somebody said, repentance is good for you. So by your head, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent for locking myself out of my inheritance. Dreams, visions, trances, revelations, visitations, holy encounters are part of my inheritance. Jesus, you purchased it for me. I take it. It is mine. From this day forward, in the name of Jesus, I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth. I will have dreams, holy dreams, by the Holy Spirit. I will have visions, holy visions, by the Holy Spirit. I will have trances, by the Holy Spirit. I will have holy encounters, by the Holy Spirit. I will have heavenly visitations through the Holy Spirit from this day forward. That is my confession. That is my belief. My inheritance, I take it. That door is open. And I thank you, Father, that as I continue to believe and I continue to say, I will have what is purchased. I will have what's mine in Jesus Christ. Now this time take 45 seconds and give God a praise. Come on, give him praise. Give him praise. All right, you may be seated. I shall continue on. So, you need to keep saying it. Here's the deal. You ready? You don't have to try to hear from God. Okay. I know. I'm getting ready to mess with you. You know, I'll exchange this for that. See, here's the, here's the issue. Have you ever noticed that the more you try to hear from God, the more difficult it becomes? Anybody ever? Raise your hand if you've ever noticed that. Okay. This is why I'm telling you, quit trying to hear from God. Quit trying. Look at somebody say, chillax. 
You're trying. The prophet said, seek the Lord. In the Hebrew song book, it says, seek his face. So what you do is you seek the person of God. The prophets understood this. And this is how you know they understood it. They kept using this phrase. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, So if you just pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, if you just praise the Father, if you just worship the Father, if you just love on the Father, if you just be in the presence of the Father, at some point the word of the Lord will come to you saying. Well, I'm on that subject. So so how far do you guys really want to go? Well, we can't got time to go all the way, but. We'll go as far as we can. One of the prophets that I met in heaven was the prophet Samuel who said to me, God is going to show you some of the secrets of the seers. Let me show you one. Show you one. Whatever God says is complete, but it's not necessarily conclusive. Everybody say, whatever God says, it'll be complete, but not necessarily conclusive. Example. The father says to Abraham, go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice your son. In his heart, he does it, believing that God's going to bring his son back to life because through his son, Abraham's going to become the father of nations. Stars in the sky, pebbles on the beach. Complete thought. But then when he goes to do it, the angel calls out and says, you did it in your heart, don't touch it. Everybody said, now you've got the conclusion of the matter. What does that mean? That means that revelation is progressive based upon your response. Where, okay. Everybody say revelation is complete, but not necessarily conclusive. Everybody says continuing revelation is based upon your continuing obedient response. So where you stop responding, revelation stops coming. So it's not how far the Lord's going to take you, it's how far are you willing to go. Look at somebody say, you set the limit. So, if you want to understand revelation, revelation is released according to your calling. Revelation is released according to your office. Revelation is released according to your assignment. Revelation is released according to your gifting, your anointing, your ministry. That means that in part, revelation is geographical. The revelation of God to John was different for Ephesus than it was for Laodicea. 
Revelation is also released to you according to your spiritual condition. Revelation is released according to your intimacy and closeness to the Father and Jesus. It's released according to proximity. So Jesus says, Matthew, Mark, Luke, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Look at somebody say, revelation is given. But look at somebody say, but if you don't pay attention, it won't be received. Even in your first Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, I give you to understand. Look at somebody say, understanding is given, but it's got to be received. And for those of you who think you, just, you, you got it all together, John the prophet said a man can receive nothing except it be given to him from heaven. Paul said to the church of Corinth, he said, why do you think you owe so much? Whatever you got, you received it, so why are you boasting? Revelation is given according to your present, current capacity. Fullness is determined by the size of the container. So that's different from, from a bucket. So just because you got fullness, but let me have this is fullness. This is fullness. The word of God enlarges your heart. Still with me? So, revelation is released according to your current level of maturity. Jesus says, read John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. In there somewhere he says, Jesus says, I have many things I want to say to you. King James Version. But you can't bear it right now. In the Greek it means you cannot stand up under the weight of it. So different revelations have varying degrees of weight. Look at somebody say, your maturity determines your revelation. So the reason the Father isn't answering some of your questions is you can't handle the truth. Still good? Look at somebody said, this is very interesting. Oh, but see, here's the thing about Revelation. Here's the thing. While information is for your head, revelation is for your heart. But look at somebody say, but you need information for your head. Because Paul says in Romans 12, 
He says, be ye transformed, metamorphosis, by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, by the way, Greek, the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, which in the Greek is singular. Look at somebody say, you moving somewhere. Information must become revelation. When information becomes revelation, I step into application. Everybody say information, revelation, application. So James, the half-brother of Jesus, says it this way in James 1.22, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. But the Greek word for doers, doers, it's where we get the word poetry. That means creativity. That means anytime you're reading the word, hearing the word, you're supposed to be thinking of creative ways to put that word into practice. Everybody say information, revelation, application, manifestation. I need application that's the result of revelation that starts with information to bring a manifestation of me becoming in formation. In formation. Galatians 4.19. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Everybody say spiritual formation. Spiritual formation. Okay, now I'm going somewhere. I know we love, I do too, external achievement by the power of the Holy Ghost. Signs, wonders, and miracles. Hey, nobody in the room loves it much as I do. See it all the time. Some stuff I don't talk about because, hmm, it can get out there. Ah, it can really get out there. Let me give you, let me give you some of the light ones I know you can handle. So I'm doing this church service, and an angel comes into the service and blows a trumpet. But they know trumpet. Even sinners hear it and give their hearts to Jesus. Not just believers, sinners. I give you another one you can handle. So I'm in Kissimmee. Florida at a Puerto Rican church and I'm preaching and this woman comes to the church she's a visitor let me tell you why she came to church because she heard this man come into her dream and tell her to go to church she just so happens to pick the church where the man is who spoke to her and said Go to church. And she runs into me. And she gives her heart to Jesus. Oh, I'm trying to help you. No, no, no. I'm into the supernatural. Let me show you one more. I think you can accept this one. Some stuff, you know, is a little bit out there. So I done, I was in a season in my life where I was wearing crazy shirts. And so this woman in Germany, her name was Bertha, 
says, this man appeared to her in her house with four angels because she needed body parts. And <laughs> she's scared. Well, you know, if some fluffy man appeared in your house that was a total stranger and, and all of a sudden you look up and there he is with four angels, you might freak out too. So she won't receive, so he leaves. She's watching It's Supernatural, and she sees yours truly and says, that's the man that was in my house. (laughs) She calls It's Supernatural. They get a hold of me. She flies Washington. No, she flies from Germany to Washington, state of Washington, comes to Syracuse to a church to get her miracles. Look at somebody and say, that's pretty good. Right? So, I'm into external achievement. I just told you the ones you can deal with. Oh, no. I'm going to tell you why. Because here's the thing. We love external achievement in Jesus. And that's the will of the Father. That's the secondary will of the Father. The primary will of the Father is your internal development. And that is not as sensational. And that is not as exciting. Because we love the supernatural when it's sensational. We don't care for the supernatural when it's the supernatural process of just becoming. Everybody say external achievement is what you do with Jesus. Is what you do for Jesus. It's what you do in Jesus. But everybody say, but internal development is what you become in Jesus. What you do for and with Jesus is temporary. Who and what you become in Jesus is forever. So because of that, We want the gifts of the Holy Spirit to spice up our service. Because some of us ain't really obeying the word. And when you're not really obeying the word, you're bored. Because if you were obeying the word and acceptance and challenges, then you would access and draw upon the spirit of Christ for formation by putting application to information and revelation to bring a manifestation of God in your private, personal inner life. You wouldn't be bored. But you want to substitute that. And there's nothing wrong with signs and wonders. You know, (laughs) I mean, I had a supernatural conference I don't know how many people had supernatural oil appear in their hands, dripping. Gold dust appearing in, on people. Having gold dust appear where they got sweeping up off the floor. Okay? 
Angel feather falling out of nowhere. Blind seeing, deaf hearing, people get up out of wheelchairs. Supernatural weight loss. Body parts appearing where there are none. Hey, I ain't got no problem. <laughs> but that's not number one. Okay, let me move toward a close. I've been going 45 minutes almost. Okay. What if I was to say to you that your internal development has to be equal to or greater than your external achievement for you to achieve balance? Who is Jesus Christ, the Son of God? What is Jesus Christ? In terms of your internal development, he is the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit. The character of God, he is holy in your life, in your inner life. Who is Jesus Christ, Son of God? What is Jesus Christ in terms of Ability, character, fruit of the Spirit, ability, gifts of the Spirit. Everybody say the glory of God. Everybody say in character and ability. Everybody say the fullness of what God is. For those who focus on external achievement, Jesus has something to say at the end of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, 5, 6, and 7. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied, cast out devils, done many wonderful works, miracles? And he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father in heaven. Those who focus only on external achievement, he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you, which in the Greek and and in Hebrew, they understood that you had a senior rabbi who was training somebody who was become a senior rabbi, but they they had a final test. And if they flunked the final test, the rabbi said, I never knew you. We're done. That's the context. Everybody in Jesus, they understood it. You've been in school, but you, you failed the final. Look at somebody say, the final is loving God with all your heart and soul, mind and strength. So, here's the key. In the beginning, God. Everybody say, everything begins with God. Look at somebody say, he's your starting point. And then the Lord Jesus says in the book of Revelation, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Everybody say, he's the, look at somebody say, he's the consummation. So my end goal is God himself through Jesus. He's my starting point. Everybody say, first love. And he's my ending point, God himself. See, this will make you think. This will make you think. Even when you look at the tabernacle of Moses, you have the outer court, which has natural light. You have, representing the blood of the lamb, the water, the labor, looking at the mirror of the word, getting a revelation. Everybody say natural light. But when you go into the inner court, 
You have to do something to activate the light that's there in the seven golden candlesticks or the menorah, the sevenfold spirit of God. Look at somebody say, activated light. But the holy of holies, guess what? It has no light. Because uh, when you pass through the veil and you meet with God Himself, you meet with the light. Look at somebody say, The light of God Himself is totally dark there until you meet God and then you see him as the light of life. But we get content in the inner court. When the whole goal is God himself through Jesus and any other goal takes you off course. Look at somebody say, it's a limit. Now, I'm going to, I never close, I just got to quit. So now we got to look at the limits. The limits. So you know 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says, around verse 3 or so, the weapons of my warfare are not carnal. They're not in the flesh. They're, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Look at somebody said, the battle, the battle is in your head. Now look at your neighbor and smile and say, your head needs a whole lot of help. <laughs> the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down, the destruction or demolishing of fortresses, casting down imaginations, which you could translate speculations, reasonings, arguments. Everybody says the carnal mind. Look at somebody say, you got more than what you care to admit. Say that. <laughs> casting down imaginations, every high thing that exhausts itself, listen to me carefully, against the intimate knowledge of God. Not just information, not just revelation. But the application that leads to the formation and the manifestation of God in your inner life. So I'm talking about the supernatural process of discipleship. Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exhausts itself against the intimate knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Wait. So, the battle in the mind is normal. You have to subdue the carnal mind and walk in the spiritual mind, the mind of Christ. But in this battle of the mind, it basically affects, summarized, in three areas. And all three of these areas begin with a PR. 
Number one, everybody say pride. pride. Self-exaltation. Everybody say. The biggest thing is this. As much as you think you don't have pride, look at somebody say, who you fooling? You know, the Bible says something very interesting about pride. It says, it says, God knows the proud afar off. And my commentary is, and that's where he keeps them too. Let this, Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he humbled himself. He took the form of a servant humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death of a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and gave him a name that's above every name. Look at somebody say, you can use a little more humility. (laughs) To summarize, the second area where you have your warfare, this is going to surprise you is in the area of your prejudice. Forget about the spirit of the sage. Everybody say, everybody's got prejudice. Prejudice has to do with what you believe to be true regardless of the facts. Which is why there is this saying, don't confuse me with the facts. You believe something to be true contrary to obvious contradicting evidence. Because that's what you want to believe. In contradiction to the facts and the truth. Look at somebody say, everybody's got some of this. And the third area is preconceptions. Ah, Stuff that you think you know that you don't know. John Maxwell put it this way. You don't know what you do not know. Oh, no, no, no. Let me give you a sample. Pride. 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 Prejudice. Preconceived ideas. Ready? Ready? I went to, now listen, my dad was a Baptist preacher for 25 years. I got saved in the Baptist church. I went to Southern Baptist College. But I found something out about the Baptists. They think all the Catholics are going to hell. And when you have pride, you have prejudice. 
And my mom loved the Lord. She was a Bible teacher. But let me tell you what was true about my mom, who died at 90, loved the Lord. She was Baptist born, Baptist bred. She was a Baptist till she was dead. And that means that I'm going to believe it, whether it's in the Bible or not. Now, I'm not picking on the Baptists. Because the same is true of the Catholics. The Protestants got some things right and some things wrong. The Catholics got some things right and some things wrong. If you're feeling irritated, that lets you know you got pride and prejudice right now. And what is true of the Baptists and the Catholics is true of us Pentecostal, charismatic, full gospel, apostolic reformation, third way. Because we're certainly better than the first wave and the second wave. <laughs> Look at somebody say, you know it's the truth anyhow. Look at somebody say, get real. <laughs> Look at somebody say, you are not that smart. See, I told this. <laughs> I, 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 I saw a lot of people in heaven, lots of people. <laughs> I didn't talk to anybody, but sometimes the father would have them talk to me because <laughs> I got issues. <laughs> I told during the conference how I met Peter. Handsome, rugged, broad shoulders. Manly man. And he says to me, uh, this is what he says. He says, humility work for me, it'll work for you too. <laughs> this was years ago. Why is that? Because I have a tendency toward pride. I have a tendency toward it. I have a leaning toward it. I came from a family of intellectuals. My dad had his doctorate. He read physics for fun. Who does that? <laughs> I was a who's who All-American, academic All-American. When I was in grad school, I made straight A. I said to a professor, I said, if I don't show up for the final, what kind of grade are you going to give me? He said, a B. I said, I'm not showing up. Because who cares? No. I mean, I was one of the people I didn't have to study. Page 75, paragraph 3, take a picture, I'm on my way. So it's easy to go into pride. I was always successful in everything I ever did. By God's grace. But I thought it was me. Look at somebody say, you ain't that good. Now listen, listen to me. This is the stuff that happens in our head. Look at somebody said the battle of the mind. And see, while some of us go too far in the area of self-exaltation, some of us put ourselves down. Look at somebody say both extremes are lies. You're prejudiced against yourself. 
You have preconceived negative ideas about yourself that are not true. Okay, I'm a wax poetic because, you know, I had to take literature in school and I got to make use of this <laughs> sometime. So Rudyard Kipling, this is for all the English majors and the literature majors, and he said, if you could look at success and failure and treat the two imposters the same. Because if the truth be told, you have had a mixture of both success and failure in your personal experience. So why would I judge myself a total success or a total failure when I'm just like you, you're just like me, you've got a mixture of both somewhere in your life? And the truth of the matter is, you're not going to want to hear this, but you need failure. You want to know why you, the, the principal reason why you need failure? is because after Jesus comes into your life, and create success, that becomes your testimony, and everybody who's in failure in the area where Jesus has given you success, they can relate to your past, and it gives them hope of a future. Okay, I'm coming to a close. That don't mean much. That just means I know I need to. <laughs> we get as many closings as we need as preachers. What time did I start? 11.16. I'm in 62 minutes right now. Okay. So here's where I'm coming from. And, and this is how I'm going to close as far as this part of the ministry. Because the Holy Spirit's going to do something. He's already been working but he's going to do something else in a minute. I'm going to try to get out of the way. I'm going to try. So anyway, so in order for you to grow up in Jesus, there are five things you need to go through. You ready? Write this down if you take notes or if they're recording it, get the CD or the thumb drive or however you guys do it here or the recording of the Facebook or Whatever it is. Number one, you need a problem you cannot solve on your own. Now, related but not specific to this is um, there are certain people that there's no point in you counseling. Number one, the person who says, I don't have a problem. <laughs> Look at somebody said, don't waste your time. Number two, the person who says somebody else is the problem. Look at somebody said, don't waste your energy. And number three, the person that you're counseling who actually thinks you the problem. <laughs> now, when I was in my 30s and I counseled people, even when I was pastoring, people would come from like 15 or 16 other churches come to my office for counseling. I was so patient. Them days is over. First of all, I've been delivered from pastoring 
I'm not an apostle. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a pastor. I'm a bishop. Right now, they're leaving bishops alone. I will be a bishop till they start bothering them, and then I'll switch to something else. <laughs> Mama didn't raise no fool. <laughs> My style of counseling now consists of this. I'm counseling you. You're the counselee. I'm the counselor, okay? Say, say okay. Act black. Talk back to the preacher. Because we talk in church. There's a wall there. You're going to say there ain't no wall. There's no wall. You're fired. <laughs> You're fired. So, but I'm going to still maintain a relationship. He's fired as a counselee. And then when he goes splat, I'm going to say, wall, huh? There's no wall. Yeah, but when you splat, you're going to say there's a wall. Here's the thing. Now, if he admits there's a wall, we can resume counseling. Wall. Ain't no wall. Splat. Now we can start. Everybody say, you need a problem you cannot solve. Number two, this is the other thing you need. (laughs) You need limited or no resources to solve it. This is when you know you're really in trouble when your mama can't fix it. (laughs) Mama can't fix it. And daddy can't fix it. And your money can't fix it. And your education can't fix it. And your connections can't fix it. Look at somebody and say, Houston, we got a problem. Number three, and this is real important. You need a willingness to fail at first. Now listen, failure is so important. I'm not afraid to fail. And this is what I say to people because it bears repeating. Why are you afraid to fail? It will not be like a first experience for you. It will not be like you don't have all kinds of company. All you found out was what doesn't work. And you need that information. Was it Benjamin Franklin who got the light bulb? Was he the one? It was Thomas Edison? Okay, so he did it, what, a thousand times before he succeeded? Look at somebody say he found out what doesn't work. We got the Wright brothers, Kitty Hawk. Hey, they found out what didn't work. Eventually, find out what works. Now, this is number, really important, number four. You need a creative idea. And here's the thing, the creator lives in you. You just need to tap into the creator inside your spirit. Look at somebody say, your carnal mind blocks possibilities. Look at somebody say, but the mind of Christ shows you what's possible. Look at somebody say, you need to get out of the box and into the heavens where the answer is. You just need a thought. Now, let me say this, and this is connected to it. 
Okay, you ready? You think out of an atmosphere. The atmosphere you're in can limit or aid your thinking. Okay, I want you guys to act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Please act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Because if you're in the club, 50 Cent, if you're in the club, there's a certain kind of atmosphere and there's a certain kind of thinking. Right? <laughs> if you're in sin, there's a certain kind of attitude and a certain kind of thinking. You're not going to have that kind of thinking or attitude in the precinct of the police department. Look at somebody say, your atmosphere determines what you're going to be thinking. So, listen to me. The reason we need prayer, praise, and worship is because I need to get in the atmosphere of heaven because it can influence my thinking. Because if I get in the atmosphere of the creator, he can give me a download. I just need one idea. Still with me? Number five. Everybody say innovation. Now, creativity is thinking something new. Innovation is doing something new. But it all begins with a thought. Your thoughts hold you back or your thoughts move you forward. Your thoughts take you captive or your thoughts set you free. The issue is, what are you thinking about? Because thoughts lead to actions. Innovation. See, we, okay, when we read the scripture, and we've read it, we've all read it. Isaiah 43, 18. Look, I'm doing a new thing. Don't consider remote things. Don't lay to your mind and your heart recent things. I'm doing a new thing. See it. Now it springs forth. Everybody say, you got to do something new after you get a new thought. Now, let me illustrate this in a way that I know you're going to get it. Right at your foot, sir, is a bottle of water. Will you reach down and grab it? Yeah. Hand that to me, we, sir. This is water. You pay for this in a faucet. But some guys got together and said, how can we make millions? And somebody said, we don't need a new resource. We just need to put water in a bottle. I know we already got water. But we're going to create a need and fill it. And we're going to make millions. And I know what we're going to call this water. We're going to call it smart water because we're smart. They haven't created anything new. Water has been here from the beginning. They just came up with a new way to sell it to you. See, this is Ice Mountain. 
And then you got Desante. And then you got pure water. We don't know if it's pure or not, but hey. And now you don't drink water out of a faucet. You get a bottle of essential. (laughs) pH balanced. All it was was an idea. So here's our problem. We come to church, we shout, we go home. When the Bible says in Malachi 3, see if I will bring your tithes and your offerings to me, see if I will not open up the windows of heaven. What do you do with the window? You see out from where you are and you see into where you want to go. See if I will not pour you out a blessing. Look at somebody say, it's an idea and it's an intervention. So while you're in this atmosphere, you have the possibility of a portal sending down ideas so you can make some money that you need. Which is why Jewish people are 5% of the population and got 40% of the wealth. Because they actually apply the Bible. So when they give their tithe and their offering, they're believing God to give them, open the windows of heaven so they can see. How to get out of where they're been into what God has for them. So by the way, one of the Hebrew words for glory has to do with wealth creation. There are 11 different words for glory. And wealth management. And you fighting the prosperity message. Mostly because you don't understand it. Because you think I just give tithes and offerings, it ought to just be automatic. No, look at somebody say, you need an idea. And you need to do something new. Especially now. Now you say, why are you doing this? Because I'm prophesying to you. I've been prophesying ever since I got up. Look at somebody say, you done got a word from the Lord. You just need to pick your word. So this sister approaches me. She says, during the conference, people were disappointed. You know, there's always going to be people disappointed. Because I can't minister to everybody. I only got a certain amount of time. Right? But here's what I also understand. She said something about, to this effect, you need to find God in whatever's going on here. And when God's speaking to somebody else, if the Holy Spirit highlights it for you, maybe that's the word for you. But see, here's what I understand, okay? In addition to that, here's what I understand. Jesus healed one person at the pool of Bethesda and walked away because he did not respond to need. He responded to the Father. So I understand your need, but, you know, even if we stayed here from 12 to 12, we still wouldn't meet all your needs. That's what I said. That's why you need Jesus. But here's the thing. If you'll put application to something that's been said today, the Father will meet you. Does that make sense to you? All right. I've been going long enough. Look at somebody say, he's just got to quit. 
Look at somebody say, but he ain't done. No, because here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, I saw Catherine Kuhlman in heaven. Catherine Kuhlman used to weep about the people who weren't healed. That's because she had the love of God. But ain't nothing she could do about that. Look at somebody say, celebrate what God's doing. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. I'm not going to focus on what's not happening because that's not going to help me get somewhere. I'm focusing on what God has done and what he's doing because that's going to elevate my faith so I can level up into what he's already purchased for me. Look at somebody says, time for you to level up. Okay, stand to your feet. I've been going long enough. I think I went, what, 80 minutes? Yeah, 80 minutes. I'm like Captain America, I can do this all day. Oh, I was supposed to say something I didn't say, so I need to say it before I finish. Because it came to me. In this revelation, there's always a sequence. Revelation is sequential. First, and um, if, you, if you're keeping notes, you might want to grab your note. I was supposed to say this, but sometimes the Holy Spirit says something, but I, it gets by me. By the way, the angel that's recording the message, he's really liking it. I, I, yeah, I saw him enjoying it. Because when I preach, what I preach gets recorded. So, and it goes into the Hall of Records. Anyway, so, number one, you have a revelation, and you only have as much revelation as you have the capacity for it at that current moment. Number two, (laughs) you must remember the revelation. Number three, you need to record the revelation. Was that three? Number four, you need to review the revelation. And then this is really important. You need to revisit the realm in which the revelation was given. So I get a revelation. I remember it. I record it. I review it. And I say, Jesus, this is what I say. Jesus, what's now, what's next, what's new? Everybody say, what's now, what's next, what's new? Okay, so then here's where you go. So then when you revisit it, God will show you part two. Then you go to Revelation, remember, record, review, revisit the realm in which the revelation is given, Everybody say part three. So now, eventually, this is where you go. Here's the questions, right? Number one, dear Jesus, what are you up to? Number two, where are you going? And number three, can I go with you? Dear Jesus, what are you up to? 
Number two, where are you going? And number three, can I go with you? These are some of the secrets of the seers. And see, Anna talked about waiting before God. This is very important. One of the things I learned about Revelation is it's a relaxation comes before Revelation. Anna pointed out while Samuel was lying down near the Ark of the Covenant, the Ten Commandments, the Father, the manna, Jesus, Aaron's rod that budded, the Holy Spirit. Revelation came. You got to rest to step into Revelation. Because this is the thing that I learned a long time ago. If a person gets healed, I don't take the credit and it's not my success. If a person doesn't get healed, I don't take the blame and it's not my failure. Because if it's your success or if it's your failure, if you take the credit, if you take the blame, your ego is in it. And either way, you're in God's way. And you're, that's a problem. Okay? And, okay, you, you can have a sit down. Because let me give you this lesson. So, actually it was Dr. Brian Adams who was here. And he and I are very good friends and we, we talk. And he's a wonderful miracle worker. I mean, blind seeing, I mean, all kinds of miracles. So, um, and this is just the truth. You know, and once you see a lot of miracles, after a while, you know, you really think you're something. I don't care who you are. That's why uh, healers and miracle workers get themselves into trouble. So one day, because he's had so much success. So one day he prayed for somebody and God healed him. He prayed for the next one, nothing happened. Prayed for the next one, God healed him. Prayed for the next one, nothing happened. Now, when you're used to a whole bunch of people getting healed and you got one hit, one miss. He said, well, Lord, what is it? Because he's thinking, there's a problem here. I'm used to, you know what I mean? And the Lord said, I'm the one who turns it on and I'm the one who turns it off. <laughs> lesson one. Number, lesson two, for those of you about healing ministry. I could put on film a woman who had a dead eye. It was gray blind and gray. I pray for her, like R.W. Schambach. She sees, she hugs me and hugs me and hugs me until I went into country music. Yeah, it was like, please release me and let me go. I mean, the long version is like, this is way too much. She can see, she can count fingers. And you can look at that and think, well, Tony is God's man of faith and prior, power. But there were two women in that church who fasted 21 days for that girl's miracle. So I was simply the catalyst for what they had been interceding for for three weeks because they loved her into a miracle. Second lesson, third lesson. <laughs> this woman comes up, she has a growth on her foot, her ankle this big. And my faith was MIA, it was missing in action. I didn't have faith for it, but I had to pray for her because I'm a preacher. So I decided to give her a courtesy prayer as God is my witness, I didn't think anything was gonna happen. So I prayed for her, believing nothing was gonna happen because my faith was on vacation. 
She lets out a yell. The growth explodes and her skin is perfect. I'm thinking I'm having an hallucination, you know, because at one time when I wasn't saved, you know, I took a hallucinogenic. And you know, you can have flashbacks. Some of y'all, y'all really know what I'm saying, but you undercover, but it's all right. It had nothing to do with me. Let me give you further evidence. I'm in a church, Simply of God Church, and there was a radiologist and he had had a neck fusion. And I was going to pray for people who had metal and if they were in pain. So <laughs> I said, hey, hey, uh, if you got metal and you're in pain, I'll pray for you. And so uh, he said, I had a neck fusion. I said, does it hurt? He says, no. I said, well, I'm not praying for you. And as soon as I said I wasn't praying for him, he was instantly healed. <laughs> we have him on film. Look at somebody say, God doesn't even listen to that preacher. <laughs> now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about Everybody say internal development. Internal external achievement. achievement. Everybody say Jesus is the first and the last. Everybody say a problem you can't solve. Everybody say limited or no resources. Everybody say willingness to fail. Willingness to fail. Everybody say a creative idea coming from God. Everybody say innovation. innovation. Everybody say information. Everybody say revelation. revelation. Everybody say application. application. Everybody say formation. Everybody say manifestation. Everybody say revelation. Everybody say remember. remember. Everybody say record. record. Review. Review. Revisit. Okay, I've done my job as a teacher. Give Jesus a big hand clap.